0: Asia Tech Podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. Hello, welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown, and we are in PlatformE in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. I'm joined by Jenny Pan. Jenny Pan's the founder of CarePod. We're going to talk about CarePod, why we need CarePod, and also the journey that you've had in Building Careport, because it's not been a straight line journey, has it? <laughs> but I mean, it, it's great to have you here because you're, you know, no matter we off air, we shared a lot about your your challenges as any startup founder would face building mm-hmm. a business. But you're, you've been smiling your way through it. So, you know, you bring <laughs> a lot of positivity to the scene. So, Jenny, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Graham. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's put a little bit of context as to how you sort of came about to be on this show. I met you at the Muradi demo day. That's right. And you were there talking about CarePod, and you, I think you were the first up to pitch, right? <laughs> yes,
1: they put me as the first
0: one to come up on stage. Right, I, I thought you would have, you know, you would have volunteered yourself to be. You, you're quite, you're very confident. <laughs> no, like they, had us,
1: they had us picked out. Oh, really? So they, they they had scheduled the order.
0: Was that the best one to go, number one?
1: I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to ask ask the mirror guys. Right. Okay. Well, you get it out of the way, don't <laughs> Maybe you? Maybe I was there just to warm up the, the crowd. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you, I mean, you, what really impressed me about you, Jenny, is that um, you know from that short conversation that we had, mm-hmm. not just about your product and your company. We'll we'll come to that in a minute. But just your sort of whole attitude is that you know you're very good at not pitching necessarily, but talking about. Your, you, your business, and you're very engaging at doing that. So I mean, that came across really, really well. I was really impressed. And Thank when you. I went away from the demo day, mm-hmm. and I thought, like, who do I want to get on the show? Like, you were top of that list. So, <laughs> Thank you so much. I'd That's be only
1: because to... I was the first person. So right, you
0: couldn't no, <laughs> no, there you go. So let's talk about it. I mean, let's talk about yeah. CarePod first. Okay. And um, maybe we can, before we do that, back up a little bit. Let's talk about Laza Apsos. Am I right? Ah, did I get that right?
1: Yes, you did.
0: So for, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, fill us in.
1: So Lhasa Afso is a type of Tib- Tibetan dog. Um, the most famous Tibetan dogs that people are familiar with are the Tibetan Mastiff, yeah. which look like lions. They have a mane, they're very big. And then you've got the smaller Tibetan terriers and the Tibetan Lhasa Afsos. Mastiffs are the ones that normally are stationed outside the temples to guard the temples. Um, And then inside the monasteries they have these little lasso and i'm one of the fortunate people that also have one in my apartment now
0: yeah little girl little girl she's not a girl anymore she's 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 an
1: old lady (laughs) (laughs) asia tech podcast find out more at atp.show
0: so you see i mean uh Tibetan mastiffs are big dogs, right?
1: Tibetan mastiffs are about 50-60 kilos. Wow. They have a mane a around they have a mane around their neck like a lion yeah. because they're used to fight lions back in the days oh, and wow. bears. Really? Um so they're as Seriously? protectors, yeah. Wow. And the whole thing with the mane is so that when the lion or the tiger grabs them they can pull their heads out from the jaws and that's the whole purpose of having a mane. No way. <laughs> so when people try to have these as pets, I'm a little bit little bit wow, scared. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Oh my god! But I didn't know I, that was in kind of the background.
1: Too. Yeah, so they're they're um, protectors and yeah. fighting lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Lhasa Apsos are the little ones inside that yeah. kind of are just more more lap dogs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> than, than more, lion like, fighting. Yeah. She thinks Portable. she is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you come to have a Lhasa Apso?
1: So I think uh, I've always had. Different types of dogs. I've always adopted or fostered mm. pets because I sometimes was not able to care for them permanently. Um, I was in Australia. I was living there for a long time. My last dog was a stray um, and you know, about 15 years old. She had diabetes. She died of a very old age. Um, no. And when she passed, that's when I thought, okay, I'm ready to move overseas. Right. Because for the longest time when I had her, I could not and I was not willing to fly mm. because she was already so old, my last dog.
0: Why, um, why were you not willing to fly?
1: Because I didn't think it was safe. Right. Because I knew about the flight process. I knew about the pet travel process. I've looked into it um, and I just didn't think that my older dog would mm. be able to get through that experience. Right, right. Um, so I thought it was too traumatic for her. And I basically was turning down job offers overseas and staying mm. in Australia oh, really? so I could be there with her until she passed. Wow. Um, so when she passed, you know, it was it was heartbreaking. I was upset for a long time. And I still was thinking, OK, take some time. I won't get a dog. I'm going to move overseas right. and then I'll get a dog. And then I kind of had that itch when I was like, I really want a dog. Right, <laughs> right. So I started looking. I was going to the pounds. I was trying to find, you know, some. A, a puppy or a younger dog that can fly, that uh-huh. did not have, um, you know, was not too old. And when I was looking at puppies from the pound, the hardest thing was that I didn't know how big they would get. Mm. Um, so then I, I found a lady who um, had a lot of different, you know, smaller-sized dogs, and she had she had a Lhasa that was um, about to give birth, um, and said, you know, if you're interested, then we can talk. And that's how I, I finally got right. to my current dog from birth from birth so i had her as a puppy and the whole thing was that um she was going to be quite a small dog um and also a very low energy dog because i knew my goal was to to move out of australia potentially out in asia and it needed to be an apartment-sized dog (laughs) i could not afford to have a mastiff Mastiff,
0: yeah yeah you needed a house just for that thing i know
1: i mean i would love to have big dogs
0: Right. But it's
1: it's harder in Asia. Well, let's
0: let's talk about the whole travel thing because Mm -hmm. I mean, travel alone for human beings is pretty hard, right? I mean, but we kind of travel in luxury by comparison, right? I've never taken a pet. I've never taken a pet traveling, so Mm -hmm. I don't know what's involved, right? So, and maybe I'm sure listeners are going to tune in to what you're saying and like, oh my god, this is so like she's speaking about issues that I feel right so yes. those people do get it but I um, must be some people who don't get it yeah like, and, and to be honest go
1: a lot of people don't understand until they've had to do it with right. their pets right. um, and when I speak with pet owners who either have traveled with their pets before or have not it's almost that divide between you know what it's like once you have kids but until yeah, yeah, you have yeah, kids yeah. you don't understand so it's almost like that I've had pet owners that told me oh you know my ticket was a thousand dollars. I thought I would just buy a ticket for my dog. Her ticket was much more expensive, and it was much more of a heartache, and you know, so much stress to get her ready, and nothing was easy, and it was so expensive. Yet it was also so unsafe. Right. So what actually happens is that um, it depends on the airline. Everybody has every airline has a different process or a different mm. way they manage it. But most of it is there's a a, a separate cost that you pay. You have to then either take it to the airport, you have to drive it out to the cargo side to check them in a separate area to where people check in. Mm. So when we think about checking in, we think, okay, we're going to the airport. We're going to go to this beautiful counter. A nice lady is going to greet us and help us with everything. For a lot of these owners, they're shocked to find that they're driving into a cargo warehouse.
0: Right
1: At the back of the airport, there's no signage, so you feel like you're almost in a a different neighborhood, right. all of a sudden there's no signs. It's just a lot of trucks. And There's like a guy a in, of dark in a yellow corners. jacket yeah. with a
0: clipboard. And-
1: yeah, well, right. you'd be lucky if you see anybody. You wow. just see a lot of trucks. You see a lot yeah. of forklifts coming in and out. And you don't even know what sign or which door you go mm. into. So you're kind of bumbling about with your dog. There's a lot of loud sounds because things are loading and unloading. You go to a, a counter and there's a lot of stuff everywhere. And mm. it's basically, if you if you think about what you see in Ikea... And you peep out in the back, and they've got a whole bunch of boxes, and yeah. they're unloading. That's what a cargo warehouse kind of looks like. Um, so they go in, they see that, and they check their dogs in, or their pets or cats. Then they realize their dogs have to wait there in that space with all that sound, with all of those things going on, while then we have to drive back to the airport, mm. recheck in. And when we're at the lounge, you know, having a cup of tea, having some champagne, they're still in the warehouse. Yeah. And they're there for hours.
0: And they don't know what's going on.
1: They have no idea what's going and on. You've left
0: them, importantly. They're, you're out of sight.
1: Correct, right? correct. Yeah. So they're left either somewhere in the warehouse waiting to be loaded, or sometimes they will be already driven out to the tarmac waiting to be loaded on the mm. plane. Um, and there, there are different parts of the process. and every airport, every airline is different. But I guess the, the hardest thing is for a pet, they don't understand what's going on. The process, that they move in is similar to uh, a freight or a cargo yeah, process yeah. so they're treated like your suitcases
0: Exactly,
1: and we've seen our suitcases come out when we pick it up from the luggage boat we're like destroyed. How, how did it <laughs> yeah. crack like this Yeah, yeah. what, what, have they what done happened to this thing, right? exactly so when you see that you're like what is going to happen to right. my pet wow. um, and that, that's where the fear and a lot of the stress comes in from a pet owner's point of view and then when you see your pet come out you right. see how traumatized they are sometimes and you're like what did they see i mean i've had times where i picked up my pet from airports and she was completely drenched i think it was raining out in the tarmac and she was out there all of her paperwork was wet her crate was filled with water mm. and it looked like she just had a bath and she was not dried and that's how i picked her up um, and it's it's heartbreaking to see that you yeah. know 14 hours was she subjected right. to the cold like that and you don't know
0: but you've said yourself that would prevent you from flying and, and more importantly, like prevent you from sort of life decisions as well. Like, yeah. Would you move somewhere? Yeah. Would you do these things? So and it's not like you can't pay for the, a good service for your pet, right? That's Because right. people lavish a lot of money on Ooh, pets, yeah. right? You know, more <laughs> than children. In more many- so
1: than ever before exactly and more so than kids these
0: days because you have i mean we'll talk about care in a minute Mm -hmm. and you have an interesting demographic happening in or a fundamental change in in asia which is like you have fewer and fewer children as well and now i mean if you go to japan i mean i spent a lot of time in japan and they love their pets there like children and they have you know their little baby cars to prams and, they, and, you know, they dress them and they, they have
1: daycares. I've been to yeah. their daycares and they are immaculate. They yeah. have, I think, two person to one dog right. was basically yeah. the ratio. Of Which this. is more than you get in
0: a, a human being daycare, right? So,
1: <laughs> And I think it was more expensive than a human being daycare. Yeah. Um, so the money's there. Fundamentally,
0: we're seeing this shift where more and more people are owning pets. Mm-hmm. It seems to be I know it's not specific to Asia, but you know, Asia is sort of like, if you compare pet ownership in Asia to like, say, US, mm-hmm. US is much more advanced, you know, there's more mm-hmm. services. But we're now starting to see Asia sort of catch on. That's right. Because of this demographic, That's because right. people have money, the middle classes and so on. I mean, the middle classes in Asia, are, you know, two thirds will be it's living in Asia. Growth,
1: right? exactly. so we
0: have all these kind of fundamentals driving pet ownership. But <laughs> what we don't have is this missing part, which is that sort of care or understanding that they're more than freight, cargo. Yeah. So wh- why is that? I mean, why why do airlines treat, or some airlines treat pets like luggage?
1: I think the, when we speak with airlines, when we work with airlines and talk to them, the, the passenger business, and this is what us... Um, we as consumers would see. Mm. You know, we see an airline for that airline. Um, We don't see it as a passenger business or a cargo business. Mm. But when you talk to any airline, they will see themselves either sitting strongly on the passenger business or a cargo business. So when airlines are built, they are built on those two very separate teams.
0: Right. Two departments. Two departments, and
1: they're two very different entities. They have different management teams, they have different KPIs. They basically have different P&Ls that they Mm. manage. Uh, So when you look at that business, that's how it's been built from the, the 40s or 50s when people started flying. And when you think about how they grow, they've started to grow in these two silos. So the passenger side of an airline business normally do not work as closely with the cargo side. And this is obvious when I start to go into meetings and see the airlines. Most of the time, they're not even in the same building. They don't really talk to each other on a daily basis. Um... Sometimes they're actually halfway across the city or the airport. They might they're as well in completely be separate, different, yeah. separate locations. You have to right. drive a good 20 minutes to get to them. Gotcha. Right. At least. Right. Um, so if you if you think about that's how they've structured their business, then mm. you can understand how, you know, they don't see the problem in the same way. So right now in the US um, and also in Asia, you have a lot of pet owners saying we want a better service for mm. our pets, we demand this. How could this happen when we flew with our pets? And they'll call the passenger side and complain, because that's where they book their tickets. right? And they'll say to somebody at their um, at the lounge, I can see my dog out in the tarmac. Can right. you please move it out of the sun? But what a passenger doesn't realize is the people who have access to the tarmac is on the cargo side. Yeah. Or it doesn't even belong to the airline. right? So there's a lot of pieces to the, the airline management side that um, also holds them back from being Mm. able to directly address a lot of the pet problems, the pet transport problems. Um, So back to the the whole part about the airlines. Airlines have a passenger team and a cargo team. And unless they work together, Mm. the cargo team most of the time is the one delivering the pets. But when we book it, we normally book it through the passenger side. And the problems, when it goes through, it kind of funnels through the passenger side. But the cargo side are the operational back end that has to work with it and deal with it. Um, So unfortunately, there's not not a a very good relationship and connection between these two very separate entities. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we see Mm. now. In the U.S., especially week after week, we see a lot of problems on pet transport. Everybody is talking about it everybody is talking about how many pets they're killing, how many pets, you know, why are they not doing this? But nobody is talking into why they can't resolve yeah, this yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's what what the it. fundamental yeah, exactly. thing is, a passenger business works on passenger mm, mm. issues, a cargo business works on cargo issues. Yet the whole pet as a product or pet as a, a item that needs to move around it's the only thing that straddles between a passenger business and a cargo business, mm. and because of that, who is really taking responsibility for that? Right, right, and that's where where we see things get
0: dropped. Some fundamental issues. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. I think you've really identified the problem here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your your solution as well, mm-hmm. CarePod, and. Um, I just wonder, maybe what we should do is we should send the passengers through the cargo business and then <laughs> that will deal with the issue, right? They will
1: They will be shocked. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> but this is what the pets have to go through, right? Yeah. So, so let's talk about CarePod. Let's talk about what it is. Because when I came to Demo Day, you had a prototype, you had a working model, which That's you, right. you showed to me, and we don't have it here and obviously the listeners can't see it. So mm-hmm. can you describe as well as you can what exactly it is?
1: So we, uh, we have a... a- an entire solution that would help pets, pet owners, and airlines be able to feel comfortable and safe about this entire process. Mm. Um, the CarePod solution consists of, I would say, two major parts. One is the the physical products, mm. and then there's the software side. Um, so, for the physical products, we have um, you know different tracking tags. We have the smart pod that is a, a first-class suite and a, a high-tech pet carrier hmm. um, that the pets would be able to go in and it's it's almost like entering a first-class.
0: Right. Can you describe what and goes on suite. in there? <laughs> Does it have a shower in there? I or know,
1: I know. It plays ambient music.
0: <laughs> right. Well, what's inside it?
1: So the, the way that the, the smart pod works is um, it helps reduce a lot of the stress factors that a pet would face mm. during the travel process. One of the... Um, the things that when you put your cat or dog inside the care pod, they would immediately feel, you know, more comfortable because they don't get um, they don't get a lot of the visual stress. They can't see outside right. the containers. Yeah. Um, and one of the things is when pets see what's going on with all the warehouse loading, all the planes taking off, that really stresses them out. The noise is the it? noise. Yeah. Everything. So we're trying to work on, you know, being able to increased ventilation, being able to provide them with the right airflow, um, At the same time, reducing a lot of the, uh, the visual stress, mm-hmm. the noise stress. CarePod is the first carrier um, in the world to have its own built-in water tank, um, so it's not just a, a human water bottle that's upside down with a little hamster. Oh, right. Metal metal, Is that what straw. we're doing these days? That's, that's what's happening these days. And uh, <laughs> if you've ever looked at how cats and dogs drink, they don't drink the same way a gerbil does, right? Right, right. So th- But that's what they put up. Yeah. And I, I really feel like a lot of times when you look at the animals inside of these unfortunate crates, they're just looking at the water bottle thinking, I'd like some water, but I, yeah. I don't know how to drink from this. Right, right,
0: exactly. And it's new <laughs> to them. Do we have a... Have you got a... On your, your phone, can we get like a photo of this thing? Can you see if we can get a, a picture of this thing? The the care pod? I mean, the the this sweet thing have you got it on your website no no no, no it right? it's not
1: it's not it's not released on the website right.
0: can we have a look at what the how do we find out what actually the the existing solution is right
1: the existing the solution yeah you can character. just look up um, pet travel containers or pet crates right, right. and you'll be able to see like. yeah. yeah and the the design you know it was from from the 70s right okay. the the very standard plastic crates. Gotcha. And then people just pop in a, a water dish or upside down water dish. bottle. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Is that what, that's, so that's Cadence currently, is just holding
0: it up here? So what have we got? So that, I mean, that's what you take your, your,
1: that's currently what we to have
0: the, to the vet. You take your pet to the vet in that thing. Right. Yeah. That's what I see like on the, the bus or. Exactly. The tube,
1: right. Exactly. And that's also very similar to what yeah. you would take on the airplane.
0: Right. And that's what they'll be in for 12 hour flight, seven hour flight. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: yeah. And I think, um, when people think about flight times, they forget to add in the four hours you have to yeah. bring it in before you check them in, before your, your flight takes off. Yeah. And then also when they get off, it, it'll take another few hours for them to go through yeah. the unloading process for you to be able to pick them up.
0: Wow. I mean, it's not like even sitting in economy for seven or 12 hours, isn't it? Because even it is Because truly
1: cattle class. Yeah, it really is cattle <laughs>
0: class. But then, you know, you, you can't move around. And the, the, do they get fed whilst they're in this thing? No. And, uh, what happens? Do they put them in the hold?
1: They are in the cargo hold they oh, are with... Is that the,
0: depressurized or what?
1: It's pressurized. So it's it's the same pressure um, as the top of the cabin. Right. Everything has to maintain the same pressure. Otherwise, the airplane would just kind of implode. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: blow up. Yeah. <laughs> the only
1: difference is that um, when it's in the cargo hold, the ventilation system and the design is different to yeah. the cabin. Yeah. So it's not the same ventilation system that we would get. Um, the temperature is controlled directly by the pilot. Yeah. Um, and he would normally or she would get a a list of, you know, manifesto of what is being carried inside the plane yeah. and the pilot would then decide, okay, how to turn the temperature. Is that turn up the temperature or turn right. down the temperature for whatever type of cargo he's flying today. Right, okay. So it's, it's in a special space, but the hard thing is that that space is not accessible during flight. Um, so no humans can go in so there. So no humans can go in There's there. The flight attendant cannot go and check oh, wow, up on yeah, yeah. it. So that's why when we designed the care pod, we've designed it to be a, a almost self-contained yeah. suite.
0: Like a capsule hotel.
1: Exactly. So it's almost like they're in their own spaceship or capsule right, hotel. Right, right. So they're protected.
0: So what have they got going in there? Have they got, I don't know, what does a pet need? in it? Do they need TV? <laughs> Do they need, like, order a bag of they've peanuts? Got, they've got,
1: you know, a little <laughs> bell that they can ping someone. Yeah. So the way that we had designed it was... Um, The most important thing is to be able to provide them with good ventilation, be able to um, provide water, Mm. try to, um, you know, minimize their stress levels. So Mm. anything that would contribute to the stress, we're we're trying to help them reduce. And that is a lot of, you know, seeing unknown things, being in unknown environments, the way that when you look inside a care pod, um, all you see is this beautiful gray kind of Light. You don't mm. directly see what's happening outside mm. um, versus if you looked at a normal crate, you'll see exactly what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we want to maintain a very uh, you know, subtle and, and comfortable yeah. and chilled environment. Low for intensity. Them. In exactly. So that, you don't want to yeah. just keep stressing them out with yeah. all these different things, all these different people or unfamiliar objects because they, they just when you stress them out to that level it really makes them you know breathe harder they right. want to escape whereas if you put them in a much more you know relaxed environment they'll probably just want to go to sleep yeah. and rest and exactly. and wait for someone to you know open up the door
0: yeah <laughs> and they want to do it again maybe
1: we hope so yeah exactly Rather we hope than, they'll be comfortable enough to
0: yeah yeah it's not a like trauma and what about for the the owners cuz this mm. is also traumatic i suppose isn't it like especially when the pet's in the hold and you don't know what's going on and yes so what what can you do
1: for them so there's um when we looked at this process we wanted to and we we spoke with pet owners um to see what they were looking for and i think when we looked into that a lot of people were basically wanting a peace of mind they wanted to number one know that the airlines are providing Mm. the right level of service and care um and this is also one of the biggest problems, is that um, that's the number one thing they don't trust, is they don't trust airlines to take care of their pets. So that's one thing that they they have expressed that is their biggest concern. The other thing that they wanted to know was um, how their, their pets are doing throughout this entire process. Mm. So from the the point where they release and check in their pets, um, they don't get to see them until they pick them up at the yeah, end. Yeah. So it's almost like your bags, the moment you, you put them through that's it and that's a long time when you Mm. think about it Um, so what we
0: and they don't uh, always come out the other end
1: well we're not sure they might come out uh, somewhere like in japan or or europe but just not the airport you were hoping they come out in Um, so when we started down this process um, we looked at you know ways that we can help pet owners get that peace of mind and understand where their pets are what location they're at what stage they're at mm. of this entire what you know. tracking exactly so there's a Logistics. tracking side right. to it where yeah. they can very easily see okay it's now at this airport at this point and they're doing this okay mm. now it's just waiting it's in yeah. a, a waiting area okay fair enough it's not waiting in the sun right okay now it's about to it's left the the cargo warehouse and it's now headed for the plane okay great and then when we land you know if i'm landing in heathrow then i would be able to Get a notice, you know. Hopefully, within half an hour after I land, mm-hmm. hey, my pet's also now passing through the Heathrow, this airline, their cargo facilities. That's great. I know, right. I know, he or she, my pet's here. Yeah. And then, and then I'll be able to get another notification, maybe within half an hour, to say, okay, now she's ready. Whenever you guys come to pick her up, that's great. Yeah. Beeline for <laughs> to pick her up. Absolutely. And that's something that um, when we spoke with pet owners, eighty percent of pet owners. That we've surveyed who want to travel with pets want to have this ability to know where their pets are.
0: That, that's the, the main challenge, isn't it? When all of this is not knowing.
1: That's I think right. that's,
0: I mean, you're not necessarily changing the airline in any way. That's right. You're, you're just giving people information. And, you know, when it comes to their pets, which are like their children in many respects, it's like exactly. you're taking away all the uncertainty and there's nothing more stressful. I mean, you know what it's like when you wait for your bags. It's like you're the last <laughs> guy standing at the you carousel. You feel like you're the last person. Right, right. No, no, not again. It's like, you know, being that last person is awful. But I mean, with your pets, it must be absolutely terrifying.
1: It is. And it. it I have heard of people comparing this process to going into surgery. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's a horrible imagine. way to, yeah. to think about it, but that's what they would tell you that like, flying you your pet do it, do is, you? is going into surgery. You're not always hundred percent it's going to come out, yeah, I said, how is that possible? We can send animals to the moon and they would come back safely. Yeah. I'm on the same flight. How is it that it's so dangerous for them? It should not be this way that is that is not good enough in two thousand and eighteen. yeah, maybe in the seventies, I can understand, but not now, right? We've got all these technology. we have so many so many amazing things that we can do yeah. and and when you start to when I first started and I looked into all the other products, what they call products because I don't like to think of our pets as products, but when you look at all the other things that airlines fly and move in terms of the cargo oh. and other things, they have such advanced technology for everything else except pets. Really? Pharmaceutical has amazing things, they have tracking, they have temperature control, they have cold storage, and any cold temperature you want. There's amazing stuff that people use for vaccines because you need to for vaccines mm. and medication, but we don't have those things for pets. But we can do those for imported Japanese peaches or very expensive agricultural goods or wine, but we don't have those for pets. So it's not that the technology isn't there,
0: mm.
1: it's just the processes haven't caught up to that.
0: Yeah, well, it takes somebody also to step up and Tell them that this is what needs to be done. This is why you're here, Jenny. So um, let's sort of move on and talk a, a bit about the business itself. So um, obviously, if people are listening; they want to know a bit about the background and so on. Really, really, you know, just to kind of help people understand what stage you're at. You know, you, you do you have a product? Do you have customers? How have you financed it up to this point? What do we need to know?
1: Yeah. So we we've actually been. Been doing this for a few years now. Mm. Um, it's been almost four years. We've taken a lot of time to work with uh, vets and pet owners and airlines to develop a product that is beneficial for all of these three very important user groups. Mm. Um, on the airline side, you know, we had to work very closely on the regulatory side of things because that's very important. Um, and we, we've already done several rounds of prototyping. We have a product ready to go. You know, we're ready to launch. We are doing piloting. We have done already pilots um, in different countries with different airlines. Um, so we're, we're now in, uh, in deep discussions with, uh, with a few airlines mm-hmm. to get things going. So I think this okay. is a great, great step for all pet owners out there that want to travel. We're almost there, guys.
0: <laughs> I can see it's a personal mission. Well. It is a really very personal mission. Well, what very with personal. Um, okay, we'll talk about the, the airlines in a minute, but up until this point, how have you funded it have you bankrolled it have you bootstrapped it yeah. have you got seed investors what can you share with us
1: yeah so we, we've um, bootstrapped for a very long time um, right. we've done uh, I'm still extremely poor let's say that and heavily in debt <laughs> I think um, but laughing but but you know we, we make do I think uh, sometimes things are worth it right um, and we've so we've you funded had, this yourself we funded this ourselves with a, a few you know other team members coming right. on board and um also with uh, we've been very fortunate to have very good investors that Mm. very very from the very beginning that's helped us through Um, and I think everyone's been been efficiently and effectively managing this this process we wanted to you know it is expensive there's a hardware component to it so I would definitely say it's not cheap compared Mm. to a lot of the digital startups Um, but I think we've been slowly, slowly marching forward with what we can and the resources that we have to get to where we are now. Right,
0: right. Yeah, that, that's an interesting challenge. Bootstrapping any business is tough. Bootstrapping a hardware business is, you know, is, it's an extreme challenge. But, you know, you're, you're pushing forward and, um, you know, you need some breaks as well. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you need an airline sponsor, a good partner and so on. You need that's a bit right. of press coverage to get sort of, you that's know, right. th- this issue on the agenda as mm-hmm. well. So are you raising funds now or what's your plans?
1: So we're not raising at the moment. Um, we've been very fortunate that we can, we can still go uh, and continue going. Um, we will hopefully be making a few important announcements soon. Mm. So um, we'll probably look to raise our seed round later this year or beginning right. next year. Um, and that's something that uh, is definitely on the agenda.
0: So so why are you waiting to raise your seed round? You, is it really just to kind of get all your product right and then go out to the market and say, okay, right now we need to explore the market and see who we can sell this to? Or are you, where are you with all of that?
1: I think our thinking, especially from my my personal view, is that um, there are some people who like to fundraise just to keep growing yeah, and scaling yeah. and fueling things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one way to run a business. Um, I think for us, it, it's more of a, we want to drive the business first, and fundraise when we need it. Mm. So, if necessary, if we can do it on our own, then we do it on our own. Right. And um, I think we've been. But been why able have you chosen
0: to... that? I'm just playing. Mm. I'm just being contrary, Yeah, little, yeah. But why have you chosen that? Because, you know, obviously we live in the startup world, and it's like <laughs> you scale just for the sheer hell of it, right? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, But why have you, cho- especially if you had a hardware? I mean, if somebody came along and said, look, if you could raise ten million now. Yeah. You could really do some things, yeah. right. but you're saying no because...
1: So we, we have tried to fundraise before, I would definitely right. say it's not, through the lack of trying. We've done some initial smaller raises, and it's, it's just a... What we found difficult was the investor's mentality to yeah. the space. So when we started this, it was about four years ago, um, pet and pet technology was not a big topic. Even though it is now for 2018, 2014, 15 was not. Right? People were still talking about e-commerce. People mm-hmm. wanted to be in oh, in Asia, in particular. I still remember that were those were the days of uh, e-commerce, RedMart, Grab, and uh, food deliveries. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the big thing in Asia. And when we went to speak with investors about pet and travel, it was like, what mm-hmm. <laughs> is this? a big market? Do people really care? And it was it was that um, mentality that I think was, um, the market just wasn't quite ready for us yet. I think um, we were not um, able to go to the U.S. to fundraise at that time, so I didn't look at the U.S. market. Maybe the U.S. would have been much more receptive to this idea. I think mm. now the U.S. is obviously all over this topic pet tech you know uh, Mars has a new pet fund there's a lot of things in the space now but when we first started uh, there was nothing
0: right so when you talk about investor mentality is it really Mm -hmm. that they just don't get why we need this or is it they have a different attitude towards what you're trying to do
1: They, they I would say in the beginning they probably didn't get it yeah and we started out, you know, we're, we're based out of Singapore. When I first started, I spoke with a lot of investors around Singapore in Southeast Asia. And the mentality towards pets was quite different. Um, so in in Asia, there's not a lot of domestic air travel. A lot of it's much more international travel. Mm. Um, and when people thought about that, they were always like, oh, you know, is that a big business? Is that a big enough business mm. to look at? And the way people saw pets, in in Asia, it was still seen as a, a status symbol versus a family right. member. Yeah. So that's where you get the whole, well, do I really want to fly my pet? Why don't I just leave it with someone here leave and then the move, yeah. move countries? Right. Yeah. I have a helper. Or, you know, whereas that's a different, different approach in Europe or mm-hmm. in the US. People would think, oh, I'm going to have to find a nice pet hotel, or, yeah, friendly, or I'll, I'll, drive. Them, right? I'll drive. I'll yeah. drive a good 13, 14 hours, two days to go mm. on a holiday with them. Whereas in Asia, we don't have that same same way we view our pets as family. It's yeah. definitely happening more and more now. You'll get the younger generation, a lot more millennials that we spoke about, um, who are having families much later. They'll mm. start to have pets more, and they, they start to treat their pets more like their children. Mm. Um, and I, I think it'll pick up very quickly in Asia, but it just hasn't hit that momentum just yet.
0: Yeah. It's changing,
1: for sure. It's changing. It's changing very so quickly.
0: Investors' attitudes will change as well. So, I mean, let's talk about what you're looking for in terms of partnerships because mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about you is you have a very specific idea about what this should be, and you're solving a very specific problem which is close mm-hmm. to your heart, right, which I think is important. And that's genuine. It's authentic, right? So you must be looking for people who kind of are on the same page, right? You know. Yeah. It helps that they may also have pets, and they share the same kind of frustrations as well. What are you looking for? Who, who people listening to your story now? Mm-hmm. What kind of? What would you hope to get out of it? People to reach out to you and say, Jenny, what you spoke about really struck a chord with me. You know, and I do X. Yeah. Let's talk. What would yeah. that X be for you? What kind of companies and so on?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, I think it was very surprising over the past few years the type of people that have come up to me to say, I really believe in CarePod because of this. And I had always been under the assumption that people would only come to me because they have a pet. Um, And there's a large percentage of people who come up to me and say that because they're pet owners. They've either tried to fly with their pets or they have flown with their pets and absolutely just appalled by the entire process. Um, But there's also been this other big percentage of people coming up to me to say, we believe in this because, yes, pets are family. You know, or we really believe that airlines should be doing better. You know, I've had people tell me that, oh, and I have people who have been a part of our team, you know, great engineers and designers saying, we love this because we believe technology or design or engineering should make the world a better place. Mm. And this is a great example of better design, better technology can be saving pets. Right. It's not—it's not rocket science, but it just hasn't been applied in mm. this space before. So I've been very um, surprised and pleasantly surprised by people who come up and share this with me and say, you know, we want to help you. We're—we're, we're, you know, software developers. We're engineers. Mm. We're this. Can I help you with that? you am like, oh, do you have a pet? Mm. Nope. But we really believe better design or better engineering yeah, or yeah. you know better products and services should be able to present prevent these deaths uh, because they're not. They are accidents that shouldn't have happened.
0: Mm.
1: So I I think there's that. And I think for us, the next step, we've been very fortunate to already be in conversations with some of the airlines. And I think, uh, and we see the difference. It is really uh, the approach and the mindset of those airlines. Do they see pets as a priority? Right. Do they see them as an important part of their business? Do right. they see that as something that's important to their passengers? Right. Because as an airline, you can do a lot of different things. You can change the uniforms. You know, you mm. can. You know, they're investing the millions. Yeah, yeah, they're changing the logos. They're changing their their dining options. They're changing you know, staff uniforms to to be more attractive. But when you really think about it, from a, a you know Passenger from us, people who travel. Do you really care? No. Exactly. <laughs> if, if your flight attendant's uniform went from red to slightly red.
0: Yeah. No. But the, here's the thing: is that I think nine out of ten airlines are like you say, but there are one in ten airlines who get it.
1: Yes. And those yes. are the ones
0: that you want to do yeah. your business with because those are the ones you don't have to explain why they should be doing this.
1: That's right. And they understand.
0: Say, so, hey, look. We understand, I mean, the pets aren't paying their way here, right? We're not sort of selling to the pets, we're selling to That's the owners. Right. And the owners can go wherever Either they want. Either way. Yeah, mm-hmm. they can go to this airline or that airline. But if, for example, this airline has a good reputation, look how they look after their pets. Pet owners speak to each other. That's right. Right. I mean, they're always. And thinking,
1: travel people talk to each other. Yeah, oh, this is the better this airline spreads it.
0: And it's, then it becomes like, I mean, maybe they don't spend a lot more money on this stuff, mm. but it, for them, customer loyalty. You know, is key. It's huge and yeah. all that money they spend on advertising can be ruined by one story yeah of one like incident yeah exactly so i think it makes complete sense for them you know retention of customers is the best acquisition right exactly you know, that's what they need to focus on and this for me i mean if i was an airline i'd look at this and say right this is going to come out of my my loyalty budget you know all that yeah. money that we throw out loyalty and marketing and pr needs to be focused on looking after this group of customers yeah
1: right? Definitely. I think that's that's definitely the right way to look at it. And I, This is where we we're saying it's very hard because that side of the business sits on the passenger right. side, does not sit on the operational side for cargo. Right. So it's very hard for them to talk. Um, and I think there are definitely already some airlines that are thinking out of the box. Yeah. They're not just looking at, OK, how many more restrictions can I impose? And for a lot of the, the pet owners and passengers, the response has been they're just more rules, but they're not making anything better. Mm. Right. So, how do we make things actually better? And you really have to step back and rethink about your entire business. And to what you were saying, Graham, about this is where it's important to the passengers because the pets are families to the passengers. If you can win these passengers over, you win long term loyalty. And I think when we look at airlines and airline businesses, Everybody is fighting now for the millennials, Yeah, right? That is a, a huge thing that all the passenger business talk about. They want to win millennials. How do we do that? We do that through digital. We have all these digital strategies. We have everything you can load onto an iPad. But they're not thinking about how millennials are the biggest group outside of baby boomers who now own a pet in the United States. Millennials are now the biggest spenders for pets. They were the biggest group of people that bought... And the most bought the most expensive gifts for mm. their pets for Christmas, not the baby boomers, but the millennials. right and, and normally people think millennials are very cheap. you know we don't earn a lot, we're, we're very picky, we're not very brand loyal, we're very smart. Um, but they are willing to spend on experiences, mm. right They want to travel more. They're willing to pay more for experiences than products and objects. And now that these people are delaying getting married, having families a little bit later, all of their spending goes to the pets. They want to travel more. This group more than ever wants to travel more with their pets, relocate more with their pets, Mm. live in different cities. And the, the only people they want to bring, their family, is their pets, right? So we can help the airlines see that, connect those dots and understand this is the way to capture the millennial market. This is the way to really get loyalty and true loyalty, not, not loyalty through you know, a gimmick or a promotion. This is a way to get loyalty that will win you this group of people for the next 15 years. That is what ultimately what airlines are looking for, but they don't—they haven't connected the dots yet. They're trying to please millennials in different ways. Yeah, we're going to have more apps. We're going to have more things where they can shop while they're sitting on the airplane and their iPads. They don't care about that. They want to fly with their pets. They want a safer way to fly with their pets. They want to go on holidays with their pets. If you can create a pet, a truly safe and you know, best-in-class pet program, you've won these people over, hands down.
0: Jenny Pan, everybody, <laughs> CarePod. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. It's been really inspiring. And Thank you so I think much. You're on a journey. You're on a mission. And the great thing about sharing that mission with people is you'll find there are Kindred spirits out there as yes. well. Yes.
1: We've who, met met a lot. Yeah, very, you know, it's very like very rally fortunate. around
0: the cause. You know, make make contact with Jenny if you haven't done so yes, already. Please. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Perfect. And I'm sure, like you say, there's lots of people who can contribute here. So, you know, I think it's not just pet owners, but there's a lot of people who can benefit from this. So thank you so much today, Jenny, for coming thank in you. and sharing your story. It's been a real privilege and an inspiration. Jenny Pam.
1: Thank you so much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.